Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. hearing from you and I pray that you would give me your thoughts you said is your thoughts your thoughts are as high above ours as the heavens are above the earth so I ask you to illuminate my thoughts help me say what's right of you we worship you this morning Lord thank you that you've sent the singers the bairds out before the army Thank you for the courage they give us. And thank you that we can lift our voices and worship you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen. Thank you, guys. You give me courage. We give each other courage, don't we? You show up and you see these familiar faces and you go, yeah, we're in this together. We are. Well, Lloyd's in Iowa, and they had a bad storm in Iowa. Like, I think it was probably a tornado or severe straight-line winds. And uh, he calls me, and he was really shaken, and he said, you won't believe what happened. I'm like, (laughs) tell me. And he said, I I looked out the window, and the tree was starting to go crash into my truck. He said the tree was starting to lean into my truck, and he thought... He loves his truck. He's like, I gotta move my truck. And so he runs outside, jumps in his truck, and the tree comes down. But he said the most bizarre thing happened. As it started to come down, it twisted and fell east and didn't touch the truck. And he said everything else in that area had blown north. He said all the crops were laid flat north. All the trees, my brother-in-law lost four trees, and three of them blew north. And the one tree next to Lloyd's trunk, I mean, Lloyd's car, the trunk twisted and it fell east. He's like, I would have been killed. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, God is watching over us. And we have to be really happy for the times that it, it happens to land the way we want it to. Yeah, his thoughts are not our thoughts, and sometimes his actions aren't what we would ask for, but this time it really, really was. Anyway, Lloyd's been talking about wisdom. Oh, before I forget, I need anybody, warm body, who will come and hand out bulletins at 1030. It's not that late. It's like 15 minutes before you should be here anyway. But if anybody wants to volunteer to hand out bulletins, come see me because I need a few more volunteers. Okay, so just FYI. All right, I have to have a drink. Pure water. Well, Lloyd's been talking about wisdom, and I'd say that's a very timely, appropriate thing to be talking about these days. Have you ever seen anything like what we have today? I mean, I might be the oldest person in here. I bet I am. I have, I've never seen anything like what's going on nowadays. And I'm sure 
you know, my thoughts run through my head in the course of a day according to what I hear. You know, it's kind of like shifting sands in there sometimes. It's like, ah, ah, ah. You know, and it's like, why isn't someone stopping this? Like I was saying earlier, when you're little, you think there's a rule book that everybody follows. And that's why you're such a tattletale in first grade, because the rules are very obvious. But as you grow up, you find out that the rules are subject to change. And there are many people operating out of their own rule book. <laughs> Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And that's, that's a tenuous time to live in right now. Okay, but when I think back over the course of the world, I mean, just think about the French Revolution for a minute. Back then, if they didn't like you, they just pulled you out and chopped your head off. And if you've seen Les Miserables, you know what a crazy period of time that was. It was a very crazy period of time. But this planet has lived through a lot of crazy periods of time. I want to give you some perspective on wisdom from my point of view. I have to be very careful about my point of view. Have any of you found that out lately? <laughs> about being real verbal about your point of view? Um, I usually have a point of view. And I don't like getting smacked down, so I'm learning to be quiet. Is anybody else learning that? It's not my personality to be quiet. So I kind of chafe under that. It's probably not a bad thing. But there's a lot at stake right now, isn't there? There is a lot at stake, not only in the United States. There's a lot at stake all over the whole world. What do we stand to lose depending on what line of thinking we are employing? How do we live? How do we live right here and now in light of being here on earth in this present circumstance? Each of us is having to decide that, aren't we? We are getting boiled down to what is my true truth. Now, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have a true truth. Because of the generations that have come up in the last 10 or 15 years have not been taught that there is true truth. There is relativism. That's a slippery slope. Okay, if you have relativism, it's subject to whoever screams the loudest and points something at you that's lethal. Then your truth can vacillate. I've, I've observed a couple of tactics of the enemy that are in regular employment down here on the planet right now. One of them is the slow boil. Okay? There's endless lies and deception. You know what I'm talking about? Depending on what TV channel you watch, you will get an absolute, absolute polar view of everything. And there's videos and, and footage to back it up. There's endless lies and deceptions, and you don't really know all the time who to believe, do you? And then there's the flashbang. You know what a flashbang is? You watch any cop shows where the cops are getting, getting ready to bust a bad guy, like usually drug dealers, and all the drug dealers are laying around the room and everybody's high, 
and the police bust the door down and they throw in a flashbang. Do you know what a flashbang is? It's a thing that flashes real loud and then goes bang. <laughs> it's real loud. It's like a little stick of dynamite. And I was down at Tanner's and of course Tanner had a flashbang. And uh, so I got to see what a flashbang was. But, but there are flashbangs hitting us all the time. Do you notice that? Do you notice going through the course of the day, you're doing a slow burn and then you turn on the news and it's a flashbang? I mean, like from one day to the next, flashbang, flashbang, flashbang. And you're kind of just, okay, all of these things are the tactics that rely on illusion, distraction, and creating chaos and reaction. They're designed to wear down the saints. How well is it working? Any of you feel worn down? Any of you go, oh, I think I need a big vacation in Bali, like in one of those little huts perched above the water. The water's like turquoise, and it's 80, 88 degrees, and I have a margarita. <laughs> I mean, that may not be your fantasy, but after endless flashbangs and the slow boil getting turned up every day, it's like, ah. Oh. We live in an information age, don't we? We have an overload of information. I mean, even 15 years ago, we didn't have this. 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I remember when we had telephones that you had to go in another room to listen, you know. I mean, and we, you were connected to a cord. Yeah. We have cognitive and emotional responses which need to be filtered through our one true truth, the word of God, and prayerful consideration and communion with God. That's where we go to Bali. Okay, that's Xanadu. When we don't have all the truthful information, and we never have all the truthful information, do we? Because we really don't know, except the word of God. But that doesn't exactly tell us things we need to know today. Uh, well, like, do I wear a mask or not? That kind of stuff. Uh, we trust... And we use wisdom. We employ wisdom. Our communion with God transcends both time and circumstance. Okay, God is out in eternity. He knew before he started the world and he knows what's happening after he ends it. So he has a perspective that is timeless. There have been bad, bad, bad things happen that usher in something that's good. I remember in the 70s. It was a very crazy time, and in the middle of that crazy time, the Jesus re Revolution hit. And it was such a revolution, they, it got on the cover of Time magazine. That's where I got swept into the kingdom. So while very, very bad things can be happening, we don't know but what God is up to something absolutely amazing. Can I really change anything beside myself? We have to understand what the actual reality of our impact is. Because some of us do have a lot of impact and some of us don't. Okay, but we all have impact. We all have impact. It is wise to be slow to anger, slow to speak, and quick to listen. That much we know, right? We tend to us underestimate our value to the planet as children of God. We, we so do. We so underestimate who we are here. 
We don't actually see ourselves as God sees us. And the enemy is hell-bent on keeping us in that illusion. I bet if I asked you right now, what's the last sin you committed, you could filter back through the day before and go, oh, I didn't do that right. Am I right? But if I ask you, what kind of impact have you had on the planet in the last 48 hours, you, probably, you might go, nothing. That's not true. We tend to live on sidetracks that give us quick gratification and require little of us. These sidetracks produce shallow, worthless, long-term results. You know what I'm talking about, sidetracks? Yeah, we've all got them. We've been given great grace not to relax and be complacent. God will take care of everything, hakuna matata. But to fully believe in and embrace our God-given power as children of the Almighty and to live and move on his behalf and the assignments he's prepared for us individually and corporately to do. We are soldiers and nobility. And as men and women of nobility, we put away childish things and we put on Christ. Paul says that we are the elect of God. When you elect someone, what do you do? You choose them because you find something about them you want. We're the elect. We've been elected by, by God himself. As the elect of God, let the word of God, let the word of God dwell in you richly. So set your mind on these things. Colossians 3, 3, 2 is where that's at. I can have very, very good circumstances and have a very, very bad attitude. Or I can have very, very bad circumstances and have a good attitude. Depends on where I set my mind, doesn't it? But we, we want to fully believe in and embrace the power that God's given us. Uh, we want to let peace rule. Because Jesus said, I can keep you. I will keep you in perfect peace if you set your mind on me. That he said, I will keep you in perfect peace if you set your mind on me. There's times I find it difficult to want to put away the thing that's agitating me. Sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes I want to be mad. Sometimes I want to think about it and think, what would I do? which is absolutely pointless. And I have to tell myself, wait, I'm sacrificing peace to think about this thing. So another thing as as soldiers that we need to do is listen. We need to be aware. Be aware of the people that are around us because we don't want to be inflammatory. I'm saying this to me too, just remember that. And be more encouraging than discouraging. Everybody's got enough discouragement. Be encouraging. Be honest, but not inflammatory. Know when to speak and when to be silent. Be gracious, but not dishonest about what I believe. And have courage and stand in the convictions of what you believe. That takes courage. 
But you can be gracious and courageous at the same time. Be patient, not worrying about tomorrow. It says to be anxious for nothing, doesn't it? I mean, it says for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but let your requests be made known to God. And then use wisdom on what you listen to or watch or spend time with. I got off Facebook. This was hard for me because I really like Facebook and I like to post pictures of my garden and I like to stay informed. But I found a couple of things happening. I was developing attention deficit. Have any of you noticed that who are, who are on Facebook all the time? It actually, so I got a book about it, about what the technology does, and it actually makes you attention deficit when you spend a lot of time on it because it jacks with the neural pathways in your brain and the way you read and short bites of information, and it's causing a whole generation to be unable to imbibe long trains of cognitive thought where you can build uh, a cognitive platform that you think from. And I mean, I've seen it in, a lo- in young people. I remember, well, I'm not even going to go there, but <laughs> this is a real thing. And I noticed it about myself. And there's, it's been a couple of weeks now. I keep, I keep it on my computer upstairs so I can still post plant pictures, but I'm not looking at it like during the week. And uh, it has made a quick difference. Like I feel like I'm coming back to my right mind. And I, had, I did not know how big of an impact it was having on me. Mile wide, inch deep. And I like being a mile deep and an inch wide. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in what year will that happen? All right. Uh, I, I need to go forward or they're going to cut my, my tape. People on the table think I've quit talking. But yes, that's true. We do, it does have manifold problems that it does to us mentally. So I got off of it. Can I really change the big picture? Or do I just be Jesus in the area that I'm in, recognizing that that is a viable part in the big picture? The kingdom of God is run by no other than God. I want to play my part and be effective where he placed me. Not all works are doing something that is an activity. Sometimes it's being. We can be. Our state of position, our state of being positions us to be ready to pray and we're aware should God want to speak to us. It comes down to I must trust God in his sovereign oversight of planet Earth, knowing he has a plan that he's working out in me. 
And he's also working it out in the whole planet. I mean, this is headed somewhere, right? I don't want to let fear and anxiety manipulate me, but understand what the will of the Lord is for me. Each of us are salt and light in the area that we influence, whether it's our family or we have a secondary arena or workplace, we are salt and light. When I walk into Aldi, I'm bringing the light. Okay, and I am the salt at Aldi. We illuminate and we preserve what is good and we flavor with goodness the area that we are in. Verse 10, or I'm sorry, Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of earth, for you died. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then verse 10 says, And you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Do we believe that? Or do we tend to see ourselves as just, you know, some days I get mad, some days my kid irritates me, some days my husband irritates me. Some days it's really hot and it's not raining enough. I mean, we tend to see ourselves in the little forefront of our brain of what's happening this second. And daily we have to bring our minds back to meditating on who we actually are. There needs to be a time every day where we reorient. We have the word of God, the word, Jesus, dwelling richly in all wisdom inside of us. So we can let the peace of Christ rule. We have the word. Now I want to read... A journal entry to you. Because sometimes I, I write better than I talk. Because I can actually spread out my words and think about it. This is one of those mornings where God in his great mercy takes me on a learning curve. I can only imagine what Paul experienced during those 14 years after he spent a few years acclimating to his new identity and faith in Jesus, what he went through is God led him into the revelation after revelation in the knowledge of God and how our justification by faith and the reality lightning bolted into his spirit and mind of Jesus being in him and he in Jesus As I get revelation, I'm absolutely thunderstruck at the enormity of what I live inside and that I carry him in this little frame of mortality. Each revelation staggers me. So I had been sort of thinking about how Paul's talking about how our earthly fathers discipline us for what seems good to them, and we respect them. But how much more we subject ourselves to the Father of Spirits. Interesting choice of words here. He doesn't call it Father of Creation or Father of Humans or Angels, but Father of Spirits. He calls us Spirits. Who disciplines us for our good. He's looking out because he knows what we are at the core. 
We are eternal beings, spirits. And he, Paul, says that we are many brethren of which Jesus is the firstborn. And we, God's elect, chosen, are being conformed to the image of Jesus. Jesus is the most free being ever. We are free and becoming aware. It was for freedom that he set us free. What are we free from? And this is just a segue or a side here. We were born into bondage, weren't we? We were born into a planet that has bondage from the breath, first breath you take. Okay, so he sets us free from that while we're on this planet. I've had this on my mind for weeks. So, being trained and disciplined by God has the end product of Hebrews 12:11, the peaceable fruit of righteousness, which is a fruit of the Spirit. There's a transformation that takes place in, in Revelation. Your mind is galvanized. You have a paradigm shift in understanding and you operate from a different axis. That enables the freedom of the spirit to walk, to work through a human. He can then produce the nature, or rather work unhindered, be himself through us. It truly is the glory of God on display, this magnificent treasure in human vessels, and we so know the beauty of it is him. All things working together for good because all things are working toward us being conformed to the image of his son. The Holy Spirit, who knows the will and mind of God, is praying or communicating with God on our behalf. He is the, for us, seed of God that has made us his very own offspring. He so deeply, unequivocally states how much he's for us in Romans 8. 31 through 39, nothing can condemn, indict, or separate us from his love. We are permanently inhabited. So I'm reading and pondering, and I start thinking about the righteousness of God that is not theoretical, but actual. I am actually righteous. I'm actually the righteousness of God. In my assessment, by God, there's no hindrance to my fruit-bearing freedom, but a lack of understanding of the power that works within me. Sin really doesn't figure into God's assessment of who I am in him. I'm a sibling of Jesus, who was the firstborn among many brethren. As I thought this, the Holy Spirit surged through me, from head to toe, a power surge. When that happens, I know I'm hitting pay dirt. I'm thinking something right. I'm so aware of his being in me, his signals. The more I deeply understand that this has nothing to do with me earning it, I can't believe or please God enough to merit an iota of grace, not one drop. It's all him. His initiative, it's because he wanted to. He planned, predestined, called, justified, and glorified me. 
Somehow, I got to Philippians 3.9, and it says, And be found in him. Be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. I used to love the first part of this passage and fear the fellowship of his suffering part. But all of a sudden, I realized that the fellowship was of him taking on human form and feelings and senses and then suffering for us as was him fellowshipping with humans. Him owning our pain and sorrow and suffering and to be a part of us. It was not what I had to do in order to get his resurrection, but rather, again, all he did for me to give me his resurrection. He suffered. He became human and hurt. He cried. He endured unspeakable agony as a human, went to the deepest depths of pain a human can go, and then beyond as God, and absorbed sin. The vast magnitude of injustice against himself by us, and then forgave us. It's all a gift, and only he could give it. He fellowshiped with us. He drank the cup of humanity in full, became one of us. The Creator became begotten Son of the Father so that he could be the firstborn of all of his sibling children. Staggering. I receive by faith, and it all pertains to me. He gives me grace for grace. He did the work, gave me the revelation by faith, and let me enter him as he entered me. Divine cohabitation. John 1.14 begins, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'm reduced to tears. I can only weep at the magnitude of God's kindness. To read Romans 8 now, from him conforming us to his image, so he could be the firstborn of many brothers to him, glorifying, justifying, after he calls us to, what shall we say then? Here's Paul getting thunderstruck all over again. What shall we say then? You could just hear Paul reeling under the magnitude and enormity of God's love and mercy, saying, if God is for us, who could be against us? 
and the unfolding in verse 31 through 39. How will the same father who didn't spare Jesus on our account? Not along with sweet Jesus, give us everything he has. Who can accuse us against that defense? Jesus himself is our inhabitant and mediator who can lay any charge against God's elect. God himself justifies us. Absolutely nothing can separate us from that love, that permanent bonded relationship. It's all him that creates such security, such a trust in his working toward and in me, and such freedom to become the poem, the workmanship that he created me to be. Words cannot do him justice. What love? Then the Bible becomes a manifesto of love when we understand this. This is our manifesto. We inject Jesus into the atmosphere. That's no small thing. Do not underestimate the power of what you carry within you throughout the day. You have God in you. If God be for us, who can be against us? Light dissipates darkness. As C.S. Lewis said, we have the good virus. Infect everyone. Go out and breathe it on everybody. It brings life. We can't see the future. We don't know the outcome of what we're in, do we? It's, it, he tells us straight up front, you're going to have troubles here until I come back, until I end the show. There's going to be tribulation on this planet. But he says, be of good cheer. I overcame the world. He remembered, he knew, he walked into hell and took the keys. He won. We're in him. In light of that, here's some questions I want you to think about this week. What are my areas of influence? What do you influence? Even you kids, what do you influence? What's your sphere of influence? Do you know what I mean by that? Whose life do you touch that you affect? And how do I view myself in those arenas? As the victim or the conqueror? Did I get taken advantage of? Or do I trust that my heavenly father has this for me? And what are the foxes that steal my grapes? What hinders me and why do I put up with that? For the most part, what hinders us is us. It's the way we think. What does it do for me that God couldn't bring far more life to? What is my line of thinking? What's it doing to me? 
Am I, am I utilizing the perfect peace that he said I could have? Or am I throwing it away for stupid thoughts? Evil readily uses the tools that we willingly give it. So whatever you're giving the enemy, don't. Don't give it to him. He can't deceive you and he can't use you if you don't give him the, the raw material. Is it worth the loss of greater things, however intangible, like peace and wisdom, well-being? Is it worth the loss of that? We are transformed in the renewing of our minds. And we remember when we do that, his timeless perspective. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that we are the proof of what giving ourselves totally to God as living sacrifices does to a human. We are transformed and live out of the will of God. I'm going to read that to you in the Phillips translation. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your mind from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goal of true maturity. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're spirits having an earthly experience. And I believe that's so that we get a firsthand understanding of what evil does. It's destruction. God has far greater plans for us out in eternity. We have, this is the, this is the entry. This is the womb of our existence. We learn how to disseminate wisdom. We learn how to draw on the life of God within us because we have an eternal thing to do. It's not going to be sitting in heaven playing a harp on a cloud or playing golf on the course that you always imagined you'd get to. There's a vast, enormous universe out there. We have no idea what God has prepared for us. In fact, I believe it was Isaiah who said, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Our sojourn here has eternal purpose. This is the maturing field. So we fix our eyes on him who began it, and he will finish it. Now I want to read Psalm 37 one more time, because some of you didn't hear it at the beginning. This little, this little snippet. Psalm 37, 27 through 31. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. 
The law of God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slip. Think about that. Let's pray. Stand up with me. Lord, we say we are a band of warriors. But first, we're your precious children. Thank you for reminding us of how you see us. You have glorified us. You have said we are the righteousness of God. And that the measuring stick that you use on us is Jesus. And now you are bringing our minds to the fullness of the stature of Jesus. Lord, we're humbled that you would share in our sufferings to give us your glory. Help us remember that this little earthen vessel that we walk around in is filled with the most wonderful being in the universe, the creator, our dad. We love you, daddy. We love you. And because of that, and because we believe in what you set your son to do, you transform us from glory to glory so that we do become your warriors on the earth. Paul said, having done all to stand, after you put on Jesus, stand in this understanding. So Lord, this morning we stand. We stand. We plant our feet resolutely. And we say the word of God is in our mind and in our mouth. Help us walk into this week as your good virus. Help our words be infectious and true. We ask you this knowing that you already planned it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hug each other or don't. (laughs) Whatever you want to do. Have a great week.